Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to everybody hanging out in Hangouts and Headlines this morning. How was your weekend? I know I didn't do anything except launch another season of Lawyers and Dragons. I hope you guys did check that out on Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, and I didn't do enough announcements for that particular show uh, because people immediately started contacting me to ask when the next episode was. Uh, and that series is intended to be mostly weekly, predominantly weekly. Uh, but you never know when somebody's not going to be available. So I try to say mostly in there because, as I've said a lot in this space, lawyers don't make guarantees, right? Uh, so uh, that series has just gotten started. We left with a cliffhanger. Very exciting for everybody. I hope you were able to join us. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, if you didn't join us, that'll still be archived. You can check out The Trees of Eternity whenever you like. You can catch up whenever you want. Uh, but it was a busy online weekend for me as we also wound up doing, I think, a two and a half hour episode of the BitCast over on Season Gaming yesterday. There is no doubt if you want to see me online, I am very much available, probably much too much uh, for the liking of uh, some of you. Uh, but it's been a wonderful weekend. Got to spend a lot of time with my girls, my wife, my kids. Got to play a number of games with them. Just a good time overall. Uh, so... How everybody, how's everybody else doing this morning? I want to see where you're hanging out from, see how your weekend was, see if you watched anything cool, played anything cool, read anything cool, uh, just hanging out to start Monday. And then we have a fairly long uh, article from Billboard primarily. We also have kind of a little bit of editorial coverage on it uh, from Mashable that hits right where I live, which is what does content ID do at YouTube? And how can it be manipulated by nefarious actors? Uh, so we'll be talking about that, having a lot of fun this morning. And otherwise, just getting ready for another exciting week. So, hi from Dearborn. I know Dearborn. That is right nearby. That is where the Henry Ford Museum is. Uh, that is one of my favorite places in Southeast Michigan. Hello, Dearborn. Uh, what else we got here? Too much hoag blasphemy. Uh, I like you. Thank you for saying that. I don't know. We're on a lot of episodes right now, and I've got a lot of people requesting me to appear on their channels and do interviews and things. Uh, and uh, it's it's getting to be it's getting to be pretty interesting to try to plan and schedule and otherwise you know practice law uh, at the same time. So we'll see, we'll see. We'll be doing a, a reevaluation of basically the entire schedule <clears throat> in the fall. Uh, so you know, let me know. Uh, what you think of that, what you think of the time of Hangouts and Headlines, whether you like four episodes a week, whether you want it to be, God forbid, more <laughs> or less uh, or uh, exactly what you see, because I don't know what I don't know. And I'm always interested in community thoughts on these things. Good morning from Kansas. Good morning, Kansas. Good morning from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Good morning, Louisiana. A lot of good states in the United States were represented here this morning. Morning, morning from Germany. Oglaw, how are you doing today? Any board game recommendations? Yes, <clears throat> I can make a board game recommendation. So I purchased a game uh, that was ostensibly intended to get my family to the gaming table. Now, my girls love board games, uh, but they haven't been as interested in playing them um, this summer, really. It's this summer. Makes sense, right? Um, but I saw a game. I think it was at the Barnes & Noble. That's where I get a lot of my board games now, as it turns out. Uh, and uh, it was called The Initiative. Uh, and The Initiative is effectively a game uh, where you uh, take little characters, you move them around, you collect clues, ciphers to uh, decode 
uh, some kind of code phrase or whatnot on a board that looks a little bit like the old uh, board game Wheel of Fortune board that covers up the answers uh, next to the board. And you go around and you try to cooperatively with your partner or with two other people um, get these clues and solve these codes. Uh, that may not sound super interesting. And in fact, the first uh, game of it maybe isn't that interesting, but it's effectively a legacy game. If you're not familiar with that term, you go into chapters and you grow the game uh, as you play it. Um, and so this particular game is all about code phrases and ciphers and things like that. And as you go, you're actually playing the story of four kids uh, that found this game and are playing that game within the story. And then there's codes on the cards and there's codes in the rule book and there's codes and codes and codes everywhere. And it starts to kind of tell you a story about those kids, a story within the game. Uh, and you get all these secrets and you, you're constantly decoding. So I wound up playing this primarily with my wife, co-counsel, um, and she's got a pen and paper and she's decoding these things. And this code is leading to this code. And one of the codes is encrypted into this code. Um, and we've played through about six missions in the game out of, I think the campaign is 15. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun. The game itself is kind of simple. You're working with another person and then the codes are really what the game uh, is about. It's a wild thing. I haven't played something like it before. It's kind of like, it's kind of got the feel of an escape room. Now, it doesn't have those kinds of puzzles, but it has that kind of coordination and working through codes and, and secrets and things like that. Um, so that's my board game recommendation for the morning. Maybe I should do Monday morning board game recommendations. I don't know if there's a weekend that goes by where we don't play a board game. Uh, but we'll be working on the initiative for a while because, well, uh, it's a lot of fun uh, and uh, we want to know how it ends. <laughs> uh, so that's been a real, uh, real enjoyable experience uh, with my wife. In fact, I think after we finished uh, Lawyers and Dragons session on Saturday, I said, do you want to order pizza? We ordered pizza, said, do you want to play a game of the initiative while we wait for the pizza? And it really worked out well uh, because the games are short. They're like a half hour long, uh, something along those lines. And uh, it's uh, it's been a good time. Uh, Mrs. Hoaglaw, please do a video with Mr. Hoag. Um, you know, we haven't had that setup available um, now since we've gone through and we've got my daughter on the postmortem. We kind of knew how that would work within uh, this space. You know, we're not fancy YouTubers here. We don't have a studio setup, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and in terms of board games, which is one of the things that my wife has suggested we might want to talk about in video form, uh, you know, we don't have any uh, video camera capabilities to actually show those things. So maybe, who knows? Maybe the expansion of uh, virtual reality is, a, is board game commentary and reviews. I, I have no idea. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of board gaming. I have way too many board games. Um, and so uh, thank you for the recommendation. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun. Go check out the initiative. Uh, I think you'll find it enjoyable. Uh, not enough Hogue to go around. Cripes, man. <laughs> you need a clone. Happy face emoji. It's very nice of you to say. I do love this stuff. Um, but it's interesting. You know, if, I, if I'm doing BitCast, I'm doing Lawyers and Dragons, I'm doing Hangouts and Headlines from... Thursday to Tuesday, I do multiple hours of streaming every day. Uh, and that uh, that's wild. That's wild. Six days a week is uh, is interesting. Uh, so we're, we're having fun. We're going to go on vacation pretty soon. I'll make that announcement later. So there will be a little bit of time off from Hangouts. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a good time. And I appreciate everybody's well wishes here. It's very nice of you to say all these wonderful things on a Monday morning. Mrs. Hoagloss says, just delivered Hoag his tea. She said, 
my tea. She brings it every morning. It's really delightful. Thank you, honey. Um, let's see here. 23 million doesn't seem like a lot these days. 23 million, which is a reference to the headline, is a lot for normal people, right? So we're not talking about Microsoft and its trillion dollar company or Elon Musk. Normal people, if you got $20 million stolen from you, that's it's not great. Uh, and that could really change your life in a fundamental way. So we'll, we'll talk about this. These are smaller artists in general uh, that had this happen to them, allegedly. Uh, some of the journalistic uh, outlets here don't don't put in the allegedly because they have a plea bargain information that they're relying on. We're going to be a little bit extra cautious here. Uh, good morning from the Netherlands. Good morning, Snoopykins. And good morning, Netherlands. That is awesome. Uh, let's see here. Cleaning my house after having visitors this weekend. Sounds like a fun weekend. Not as fun cleaning the house, but it's always nice to get it clean. <clears throat> Good morning from Oklahoma. Dragons and Lawyers was so fun. Thank you. Awesome. Good morning from Yorkshire, UK. Waving emoji. Hi. Hi, Yorkshire. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, I started Sandman, <clears throat> but my timing was poor as I was tired and fell asleep 30 minutes into the first episode. Well, you're thematically correct, right? For a show about the Sandman, you fell asleep during it. I will say that uh, I fell asleep during one of the episodes, and it really does accomplish its dreamlike state uh, because it's kind of wild to get into that twilight zone uh, and have small bits of understanding of what's happening on the screen because it is that kind of show. Uh, so, yeah, fall asleep during Sandman. Wouldn't surprise me if they have subliminal messages trying to tell you to fall asleep during the show. Uh, who knows? Uh, but, yeah, no, check it out. Love it. All hog all the time. Nope, not even co-counsel wants that. <laughs> Morning from Cincinnati. Hello from Switzerland. Was watching Lawyers and Dragons with my husband. All right, hopefully you liked it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, some people came into my channel comments. are like, "What are you? What are you doing? What is? What is this? Why are there other names under your faces? What did you convince all your lawyer friends to do here?" It's like, well, I believe firmly in the power of gaming to bring people together, to have enjoyable times with each other. And I said, hey, let's bring it to the video channel. Um, and so we did, uh, but it's a lot of fun. We're having a, a very fun time with that particular show and we'll see. We'll see where it goes from there. Uh, I am told that it goes places. Uh, good morning from Texas. Good morning, Texas. Good morning from Kansas City. Good morning, Kansas City. Good morning from Florida. Back to school today. See, that's wild. I know these various states go into school at different times. My kids aren't going to go to school until after Labor Day. Um, so Michigan, pretty different from some of these jurisdictions. Uh, let's see here. H&H, &H, a good balance by Hogue. Fantastic. Good morning, all. Says Caitlin. Good morning from Wisconsin. Says Kelly. Good morning, Wisconsin. I have family in Wisconsin. Um, so uh, say hi to them for me, you know, if you see them. <laughs> there are hogs in Wisconsin. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, did my first dungeon crawl yesterday. Cool. I don't know what that is. Is that real life? Is that a board game? Is that a video game? I want to know more information. Uh, dungeon master. Yes, game master is what our game master David goes by in general. Uh, I think he likes the breadth. You know, you don't want to limit yourself to uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, what else we got here? Uh Love that UK is the future of the USA, but the past is Australia. Now, see, I'm going to get my date lines confused. I think Australia is just further in the future, aren't they? I don't, I don't know. I need an episode of Bluey on this, um, so I'll have to check that out. 
Uh, Runkle's accent was awesome. Yes, you're missing out. If you didn't hear Canadian Scottish gnome coming out of Ian Runkle's mouth. Uh, so he's going to uh, bless us for the rest of the season, I believe, uh, with that accent. Uh, I don't know what voice I was doing. I'll have to check the tape to see if I can uh, if I can follow that up again. Um, you're awesome, honey. Of course, we all want more Hogue, says co-counsel. That is very nice of you. I'm going to remind you of this during some kind of uh, fraught conversation of some type. Uh, that uh, this is what you said to me on uh, Monday morning, August 15th. We'll mark it down. We'll get the clip. <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, morning coffee. Uh, when is the new merch available? We are working on it. We got to work through one last thing. Um, and then the store will go up. Uh, but shortly. Near term. What is the what is the video game company say? Soon. <laughs> I would tell you if I could commit to it, but we have to work through some stuff that isn't entirely within our control. Um, so stay tuned. It will be up very shortly with hats like this. Um, let's see here. Jacob says, I saw a, uh, I think that's YouTube uh, clip shared on Twitter where a stupid guy said he may plant a bomb at PlayStation HQ to make them from stop doing a PC port. I did see just uh, scanning through my timeline something about that going on. I'll look into it further. It might be a virtual legality. I mean, it's not legal advice, folks. But don't don't do bomb threats. It's not it's not good. It's not how reasonable minds differ. Um, so I will look into that. It might be a video. Uh, let's see here. Um, make someone a compliment today. It's the small things that matter. From Alexis, heart emoji. I think it's a great advice. Compliments are fantastic. You all are fantastic. And I'm very thankful for all of you dropping in to see me uh, virtually every morning of your weeks. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, what else we got here? Good morning from rainy North Carolina. Well, good morning, North Carolina. I presume rainy as in weather and not this town, but maybe the town's named rainy. It's capitalized. Hmm. I have questions. Good evening from Pakistan. Well, good evening, Pakistan. Happy to have you here. Evening from Australia. And I think, let's see what else. Got, we got some more Australias. We got my wife uh, talking with people in chat. So that's very exciting. Uh, H&H is my favorite way to start the day. Good morning from Oregon. You are really starting the day. Folks, in Oregon, it's 4.30 in the morning or 4.45. So good morning to you. Uh, what else we got? Good evening from New South Wales, Australia. Hello from Seattle. Lawyers and Dragons was great. Thank you so much, Chub Toad. Um, yeah. Runkle sounded like Dana Carvey impersonating Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. I can kind of see it. Loved it. Yeah. He's fantastic. Hang out, hats and headlines with Hogue. Yeah. I do love hats. Never going to be a shortage of hats. As soon as we can get them working on the store, there will be hats. People have asked for hats since really the store started. Um, and uh, hopefully we can get some very, very soon. Rainy is just that. I said it's either the weather or a town. <laughs> and it comes back with it's just that. It's like, yes. Okay. I'm going to assume then that it is, in fact, a rainy town named Rainy. That's what I'm going with. Hello from Tokyo. 
fantastic. Good afternoon from Germany. Uh, hey, from an Australian that will be moving 900 meters down the road by the end of the week, all while listening to LawTube. Miles? Probably miles. I would walk 900 miles. Yeah. Uh, Rob got spicy on Lawyers and Dragons. Rob had technical difficulties that stressed him out, and he brought that to the character. You know, whether it's improv acting or role-playing in a tabletop RPG, you got to find within yourself and bring that to the actor. As it turns out, I just love making friends, and I, I bring that to uh, all my characters. But there is more to find out about nobody, my character in Lawyers and Dragons. So we shall see. Hellos from Rhode Island. Wisconsin has a hat. Must be a Michigan thing. Okay. Meters, not miles. I forgot I was talking to Americans. <laughs> it was a little M. I thought it was meters. Hey. Um, we got some uh, super chats here as well. Britt, I did watch something cool. It was lawyers pretending to understand stuff. That could have been lawyers and dragons or just replays of court proceedings. Ouch. I don't even know if he's referring to me, but that burns. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny. I got some hate mail uh, this weekend and you might be saying, oh, wow, Rick, you know, what do you talk about? You talk about Hangouts and Was it, an, was it a, a, a very excitable Oprah fan? Uh, was it somebody uh, that is just really for or against Elon Musk? You're talking about these national news stories, these litigations, these lawsuits. No, no. The only time I get things like uh, reviews from people who've never used my services that are all one star and telling me to shut up on Google or hate mail is related to video games. It's the wildest thing in the world. Uh, I got hate mail about, I covered in virtual legality, a lawsuit that Bungie had against a cheating company called Aim Junkies. Uh, and uh, I, I, I talked about the fact that Bungie had the better part of precedent under the law. And that uh, I fully expected Bungie to win or, or more specifically for them to settle, that kind of thing. And I got this very long email from someone that was just, well, they were fairly animated uh, and they were adamant that I had the wrong part of it and that uh, AIM Junkies had a, had a very good argument. I said, okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> and I, they were, uh, you know, it was strongly worded, uh, questioning both my uh, individuality uh, my existence and my lawyering skills. Uh, so, you know, hey, I don't recommend it as a course of action. I don't know if that's very convincing to people rhetorically, uh, but I respect that people get excited about the stuff they watch on the channel, and I'm happy that people are passionate. So we try to take the silver lining out of every cloud, and that's life of the YouTube uh, personality, I guess. Uh, that's been going on for the entirety of the channel. It's a lot more now that we have a lot more eyeballs on us, uh, but it is an interesting kind of part of all this. Uh, Kiwi Girl 75, good evening from the future. Monday was great. Enjoy. Hug emoji. Yes. I love the reports from the future because I always worry about Mondays, right? Some people came into the comments last week. I said, you know, sorry, it's a Monday. It's Monday morning. But I love Mondays. I said, wow, that's wild. Now, I know some people feel the same way about me because I'm a pretty morning person. I like mornings. I get up. I get excited. I get ready to face the day. I hang out with you all here on YouTube. Uh, not everybody's like that. Not everybody enjoys an energetic hug in the morning. Um, and so uh, I get that there are differences in how people respond to the week and the, and the weekday, uh, but I can't fathom really loving Mondays. So good for you. If you love Mondays, I'm really impressed and I want to know more. 
Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Ho gets nerd mail. Ho gets so much nerd mail. Are you kidding? Uh, much of it is pleasant, right? You know, people mention the hate mail and those kinds of things. Um, I get so much stuff that is supportive, uh, both from uh, people that watch, people that listen, and from subjects of these videos, even when it's kind of a fraught situation. I get contacted by a whole lot of people that I talk about on this channel and in this space. And very often it's positive or supportive or, hey, thank you for taking a neutral approach to this and not getting into like that incendiary dialogue we're seeing reported on. Even if I think that they're going to lose the case or even if I think that um, their position or their messaging is poor. That doesn't mean everybody likes me. I can tell you there's a lot of people that don't um, because I am fairly harsh, especially on corporate messaging. Uh, but... I don't want people to think that I'm just inundated with horrible negativity and, and, and hate mail and all that kind of stuff. That is not the case. Uh, that is a part of this, but I get tons of support and tons of positivity. I really appreciate everybody that reaches out in DMs or, e or emails or, or whatever. Uh, and uh, that's that's a fantastic part about all of this. Uh, Co-counsel says, morning person status has been a problem our whole marriage, and yet you're supporting an early morning stream now, honey. So... We're having a good time. I'm very much not a morning person, so glad it's the evening here. I meet you where you live, literally. So we got that going for us. Hey, mail, leave our hog alone. Like, leave Brittany alone? Uh, yeah. I, hey, you know what? It's no big deal. That kind of thing happens. Heck, that kind of thing happens in my professional life. Uh, so it's it's all right. I was just answering questions uh, to an association I was giving a presentation to about the negativity, uh, the aspect of going out here in public and being on the internet uh, that a number of people want to know like how the channel works and how we do things, uh, but also how we can stand kind of the, uh, the insults primarily like that level of negativity. And I talked to folks about that. Um, but you know, I've always been kind of a water off a duck's back type of guy. Uh, so Elon has mailed you, you know, I, I do think it's a pseudonym for who, who emailed me most recently this weekend, but I don't think it was Elon Musk. We'll see if we can get Elon on the channel. All right. You know, we'll just we'll just use all of our clout and we'll just we'll just roll Elon in to to talk about his lawsuit with Twitter. Uh, I would feel bad if he actually came on and talked about an active lawsuit. So, no, we won't do that. Uh, Lawyers and Dragons was fantastic. Brains. Yes. All these wonderful references. I love chatting with you guys early in the morning here. Uh, the intro to Lawyers and Dragons was spectacular. Heart emoji. That is all. Uh, David, David is the, the man behind all of the fancy things you see in Lawyers and Dragons. I have no fancy capacity as an artist. Um, so I surround myself with people who are vastly superior to me uh, at all of that. And David is definitely one of those. You should check him out at Prototopics. He is amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, no, thank you. That intro is wonderful. Uh, it was fantastic. Talk about a cliffhanger, massive cliffhanger. Wasn't even ready for that myself. It's kind of interesting running one of these things uh, with the GM because I know enough about the contours and trying to position various things, uh, but I don't know how the actual plot goes. So it's it's an interesting kind of combination. The Brains branding was really funny. Yes, Brains Entrepreneur. What could be better? Reasonable Brains. Reasonable Brains can differ. Fantastic. Uh, Elon and Hogue on a H and H that would crash the internet. I don't know. It would be it would be interesting. We'll, we'll get Elon Musk on. Uh, that's uh, goals, channel goals. Uh, we'll, we'll get Elon on to talk about his lawsuit. Maybe after it's done, 
again, I don't, as a lawyer who handles these things, I don't want to actually crash anybody's lawsuit. And, and Elon is a talker. Uh, so I don't think I'll be doing that. Uh, okay. So I think we got through everything this morning. Like I said, we got a big story to talk about. So what do you say we get to it? So I'm taking off the comment. I try to learn. I try to grow as a human being. People have commented on those comments staying when I transfer over to the to the uh, article. And we're, we're growing up. We're getting better at the buttons in the order that we hit them in. So on your screen right now is actually a Mashable article. And I'm not as familiar with the Mashable brand as some of you may be, but it appears to be mostly um, a reference to another article uh, with a little bit of light editorialization. Uh, but it did have a headline that caught my eye. And I do want to thank people for sending me these. This was actually sent to me by DM. Uh, and I really always appreciate that very much. I said, yes, that is the one that I want to talk about today. So this says, this $23 million YouTube music royalties heist, and I just, I love the word heist, is a huge reminder that online copyright is deeply flawed. Now, there's a number of things that are happening already in this headline. We talk about headlines, ironically enough, in headlines. Uh, and the first is, this is applying YouTube concepts and YouTube's solution to the copyright infringement problem, which we'll talk about in a little bit more detail, and saying that online copyright as a whole, the entire universe of copyrights online is deeply flawed. So the first thing we see here, and I'm not saying this is wrong necessarily, is equating YouTube with basically the entirety of the internet. And I think that's a little too grandiose, even though YouTube is by far the biggest audience. YouTube has the most effect on all these policies. So I don't think it's entirely wrong. But when we start out and we read this story, and it's interesting, uh, we have to note that YouTube's content ID system, the choices that they make for how to empower those tools, who to give them to, what oversight the platform has, those are decisions that are made by one company alone, YouTube, and, and I guess more specifically, Alphabet at the parent level. And that doesn't mean that every bit of either the Copyright Act or the law or the DMCA or anything else is deeply flawed, except that it is, right? So this story doesn't actually prove this point, and yet it accidentally finds itself in probably a pretty correct assertion, which is online copyright, as we have been talking about and reporting on now for almost four years, four years in November, maybe we'll have a cupcake with a four on it, um, is clearly very susceptible to um, bad actors. Uh, and we saw this in virtual legality, right? We saw that Bungie, for instance, to bring up a different case where I don't believe I've received hate mail, but who knows? Today is always a new day. Uh, threw a ton of shade at YouTube in their lawsuit against someone that had fall, filed false content ID claims and strikes against channels that were supporting the Destiny community, the video game that Bungie makes. Uh, and they spent page after page after page talking about how YouTube didn't answer their requests and YouTube wouldn't allow them to respond to a false content ID claim because the emails didn't match, because they didn't control the fraudster's email and all of this stuff. And I do think we are at least inflecting that this is a moment in time that a lot of big name folks are looking at YouTube and saying, this could be done better at bare minimum, like the lightest framework that you actually talk about YouTube in. This could be done better. Uh, and these kinds of stories that we're going to talk about today, we'll be able to see writ large how those flaws in the YouTube system work. So 
Mashable starts out say, need an easy way to make $23 million. This is not me talking, by the way. This is Mashable, very clear. Have you ever considered just claiming music others uploaded to YouTube as your own and collecting the royalties? Don't do that, kids. That's basically all two Phoenix men did to swindle Latin music artists like Daddy Yankee and Julio Iglesias out of millions of dollars in royalties, as detailed in a new piece from Billboard last week. All right, so this is largely a reference to a Billboard article and then a little bit of editorialization. So as we do in this space, we got to go to the primary source material. So in an article last week at Billboard Pro, which I actually don't know the difference between Billboard and Billboard Pro here. I suspect Pro is more focused on the business side of things. How did two unknown Latin music operators make $23 million from YouTube? The IRS, it's always the IRS, folks. It's always the IRS. Al Capone knows it. You know it. Now these folks know it. Says they stole it. Inside the brazen but surprisingly simple scheme that took royalties from songs by artists like Daddy Yankee, Anuel AA, I apologize for that pronunciation, Julio Iglesias, and more. So this is a long-form article. We've got a lot of clips that we're going to read through, um, but it also summarizes like who these individuals are that did this scheme and, and, and various other things that we're not going to need as much. But to start things out, it was hard to miss Jose Chanel Medina Turan driving a lime green Lamborghini Aventador around West Phoenix. Clearly a car guy, as you could tell, since I'm not familiar with that name of car. Obviously outside my price range as well, but suffice it to say, this person has a $400,000 car with butterfly doors, which I imagine is like how you describe DeLorean doors. Again, all of my reference points are 1980s movies. Uh, so I'm thinking the Back to the Future doors. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe if one of you in the comments has a Lamborghini Aventador, you can let us know how the doors open. Um, so also, if you have a $400,000 car, good for you. For locals, it served as a quasi-tracking device for Turan's whereabouts and was a neon reminder of his sudden outsized wealth. So we have somebody rolling around West Phoenix, used to not have a Lamborghini, then has a Lamborghini. Taryn's rise from middle-class comfort to Lamborghini-level luxury represented a stark shift for those who knew him as a small-time music producer, engineer, and the owner of Digitlog, a local recording studio. They thought the same about his business partner, Dominican Republic-born Webster Yendi Batista Fernandez, and apparently goes by Batista, like Turan, Batista went from getting by as a local Bacata artist type of music and music video director to driving his own Lamborghini, albeit a comparatively subdued gray model. So we've already set the, the stage here, right? We talk about rhetoric. This is starting out with kind of anecdotes. Uh, Turan has a sudden lime green $400,000 Lamborghini. Batista, the more subdued gray Lamborghini. And it's these two characters, Turan and Batista, that are going to get the coverage here. They're the ones at the heart of this particular claim. In November of 2021, the source of the duo's newfound wealth was revealed, allegedly. According to the government, that's, that's the way this Billboard article says allegedly. Hey, we're just going to report on what those reports say. Turan and Batista had been running what is now one of the largest, if not the largest, known YouTube music royalty scams in history. One that led to an investigation by the IRS and their indictment that month on 30 counts of conspiracy, wire fraud, money laundering, and aggravated identity theft. According to documents filed in Arizona federal court, over about a four-year period, 
Turan and Batista, along with a number of alleged conspirators, devised a company they called Media Mov to siphon off $23 million in master and publishing royalties for Latin music copyrights they did not control. Much of these royalties were claimed through the popular rights management company AdRev, more on that in this article, which is owned by Downtown Music Holdings. Turan, whose attorneys did not respond to requests for comment, pleaded not guilty and awaits trial this November. Batista, on the other hand, took a plea deal on April 21st, admitting guilt to one count of wire fraud and one count of conspiracy. So he pled out to fewer counts. As part of the plea agreement, he revealed key insights to the court as to how the media mov scam was committed. And that appears to be what is reported on uh, largely in this article, as well as one anonymous source that we will get to in a second. So these folks with their Lamborghinis siphoned off 23 million in master and publishing royalties for music they didn't control. So they went to YouTube and we'll talk about how this is done structurally in just a minute and said, oh, yeah, we have the publishing rights to that song by Julio Iglesias. Uh, and they told YouTube that, and then YouTube would um, have those videos that featured that song monetized and send the money, not to Julio Iglesias or his publishing company, but instead to this company, Media Mov. And so they're taking money and they're siphoning it off um, and, and putting it in their own pockets. You say, Rick, how, how can this be done? Surely somewhere, someone along the line is looking at, hey, do you own the rights to this intellectual property? You would think, hang on. The indictments and Batista's plea deal took some in the Latin music industry by surprise. A representative from Puerto Rican rapper, singer, and well, AA's camp had not even been aware that Media Mov had stolen tens of thousands of dollars of royalties for the artist's music until Billboard inquired with them. Though AdRev and YouTube have not been accused of any wrongdoing, sources in the rights management business who were interviewed for this story expressed incredulity that theft of this magnitude happened on AdRev's watch. We're going to get to AdRev in just a second. But since we talk about the way stories are structured, one thing I will note is that this structure for this story is going to highlight a whole host of things that this author and their sources think are wrong about how AdRev does what it does. Um, and so one thing that you should keep track of as we go through the rest of the, the bulk of this article is just keeping note of how much shade, legal term, professional term of art, is thrown at AdRev in this particular article and the suggestion that maybe they should be a part of the complaint here. At press time, YouTube had not responded to several requests for comments, several. This story will be updated if that changes. I would be surprised if YouTube ever gives any kind of light to this. An AdRev spokesman said in a statement that the company has fully cooperated with the investigation into this matter conducted by the IRS and the District of Arizona U.S. Attorney's Office as set forth in the indictment. This matter is ongoing, pending sentencing for Webster Batista Fernandez and trial for Jose Medina Turan. AdRev employees may be called as witnesses at trial or sentencing. As such, AdRev will not be commenting publicly on any facts related to the indictment until the conclusion of the criminal matter. Uh, and like I said, they're going to throw some shade at AdRev. It's not in this quote. This is a company saying exactly the right things. Look, we're part of this lawsuit. We're not going to comment on it. We're not going to have our comments brought back to us in court. We're not going to do these kinds of stupid things that sometimes people and companies find themselves doing. So we might comment later on. We're definitely not going to comment while a actual litigation that we're involved in 
is pending. Now, why are they involved in it? Well, because they are the gatekeepers. They are the key masters. They are both. They are the key to the kingdom for actually accessing YouTube's tool set. And that's how they were co-opted and brought into this. Now, whether they're complicit, that is going to be left to you. Hotbed of piracy. Batista's plea agreement revealed that it didn't take a criminal mastermind to rob music creators of their rightful royalties. According to multiple industry sources, hustles similar to media mobs are well known among those in the music business who work in digital rights management. But Turan and Batista's scheme was particularly brazen, both for the tens of millions of dollars the IRS say they stole from Latin acts and the way they did it. Sources say, and we have to always watch sources and anonymous and that kind of thing, there doesn't appear to be any conflict of interest or any obvious way in which some of these people uh, might be... Uh, tilting their biases here as they give these commentary, except for one that appears to be a competitor of AdRevs and is um, not ungenerous uh, in their complaints about how AdRev handled this whole issue, but we'll see that in just a second. YouTube scammers commonly claim small fractions of songs that they suspect have not been claimed properly and might not be noticed. This is especially prevalent on the music publishing side where there are usually more rights holders particularly on contemporary songs that credit many songwriters. So the division of ownership and royalties can be more difficult to track. So step one is identify a song that has a bunch of people that could have royalty rights and that the royalties would have to be split amongst and see if you can't find something that is confusing there. Uh, because if it's confusing to even the people that are owed the money, then maybe you can slip a little bit of a scam in there. If one or more of the songwriters is known to be without a publisher, so they don't have a label or anybody actually helping them out, there is a strong chance that the writer does not know if their share of the composition is being claimed correctly. Part of that is on YouTube. Part of that is YouTube's policies. We'll see that in a second. Media Mov, in contrast, often claimed 100% of royalties for master recordings or publishing. So as we've seen, this is the story as old as time, right? One of the reasons these folks are caught is because instead of doing this, small fractions of songs in very uh, unclear areas where maybe the songwriters don't even know that they should be getting royalties and kind of nipping away at their fraud, they were just claiming all of the royalties on a, on a song completely. Uh, on songs like apparently from like Julio Iglesias, who's probably got somebody watching for these kinds of things. And they're just claiming them all. They went greedy. They went for the Lambo money. Uh, and that's honestly, that's that's how you get caught. YouTube's content management system or content manager and its content ID tool, which identifies matching sound recordings, enables larger rights holders, including labels, publishers, and multi-channel networks or MCNs to monitor royalty collection and metadata for their musical copyrights. These scams happen all the time in every sector on every service and also within music rights collections agencies around the world says Jeff Price, founder of TuneCore, a global distributor and music publishing administrator. The upside is when they happen on YouTube, the system they built allows for greater transparency and the ability to identify and potentially fix the problem. Yes, if you can see what's happening in your content manager and you can use content ID to protect that content, well, then YouTube's system is working pretty well for you. However, content ID is a constant kind of fight. Uh, at YouTube, and it's one that's well known to smaller content creators like, oh, I don't know, me, <laughs> right? So we have a couple of videos on the channel that have been content ID claimed, uh, some of which seem legitimate, most of which seem illegitimate, but I've never fought any of them because it's not worth it 
those usually come from things like trailers uh, that I'm commenting on or otherwise uh, used for my game of the year lists when I was doing music uh, video kind of versions of those reviews from some of the early years of the channel. And they got claimed and you're like, okay, that's fine. I don't really need to fight about it. Uh, my content is out there. And honestly, at some level, that content ID system allows YouTube to have a more robust content offering, right? If people had to be constantly worried about a music label or a composer or a songwriter or something along those lines, getting in there and doing major damage to either themselves in a full-on federal lawsuit or their channels, uh, then they wouldn't be able to do some of the mashups and fun kind of collaborations between things where you don't necessarily have to worry about music uh, as long as you're willing to give up any monetization of the video. So it allows for more things to exist than otherwise would have. However, it is very much not infallible and it is susceptible to these kinds of risks that we'll hear described in this article. If you're not familiar with Content ID, says some copyright owners use Content ID. This is the YouTube help page. YouTube's automated content identification system to easily identify and manage their copyright protected content on YouTube. Videos uploaded to YouTube are scanned against a database of audio and visual content that's been submitted to YouTube by copyright owners. When Content ID finds a match, it applies a Content ID claim to the matching video. A Content ID claim results in one of the following actions. The video can be blocked, the video can be monetized, or the statistics can be monitored. And that's what we see on our end. If you were to look at my back end, you would see, for instance, I think I did a comparison from some Star Wars trailers back in the day, uh, and that one got claimed because of the score used in the trailers. And uh, then it says, uh, you're not monetized. It's been claimed. You don't have to do anything else. We're just sending the money to the owners of the music. Uh, and you might say, Rick, well, is the music that impactful? Are you talking over it? Is this all legitimate? The answer is, in some cases, no. In some cases, yes. It's just a matter of whether or not you're willing to fight it. And that already puts the smaller creator at a kind of uh, bad level because they can't fight these, as I say, huge chip-stacked or well-resourced companies on most of these things. So that gives them the leverage to start out with. But then we get into even more problematic leverage, right? So what is a content ID claim? Claims are automatically generated. Copyright owners can set content ID to block uploads. They can also allow the claim content to remain with ads. But you have to have enough cachet to actually use this thing, this content ID, right? So that's what is at issue here is YouTube doesn't give you a content manager, doesn't give you the right to control content ID claims unless you are big enough, unless they like you enough, right? As Billboard says in the next paragraph, however, that transparency is not accessible to everyone. YouTube's CMS and content ID tools are available only to select users approved by the video sharing platform. This means that many artists, songwriters, and their teams, especially less established ones, are not able to monitor their copyrights and royalty collection on YouTube on their own, right? So if we go back to what the common scam is, as described by sources, weird last name, but fine. Uh, it's that you go and you try to figure out where someone doesn't have a publisher because they can't access the content ID system to even check to see if someone is siphoning off their money. They get some kind of amount from YouTube and it's a black box. Uh, and if they can't check, then you can do this kind of thing and just scam them. Uh, and that's a problem with the system. Uh, it was nearly impossible for us to know we were stolen from. Samurai had something like $65,000 stolen by Media Month, but we didn't even know there was money there. It's a common complaint, says Billboard, from managers and artists targeted by Media Month 
most of whom assume that once their music is distributed to audio streaming platforms, their metadata is automatically correct and ready for YouTube royalty collection. That there's no other steps. You get your stuff up there, you go and you collect your money, and everything is fine. In an effort to remove some of these barriers, Maria Schneider, a Grammy-winning jazz musician and advocate for independent artists in a company called Pirate Monitor, filed a proposed class action lawsuit against YouTube in July of 2020. And I might want to follow up on this one. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, alleging that ordinary creators of copyrighted works are left behind by YouTube's copyright enforcement system and that they are forced to police their own copyrights, yet provided no meaningful ability to do so because they are often not able to use YouTube's content ID themselves. As a result, the lawsuit claims YouTube has become a hotbed of piracy. So YouTube's actually getting sued in this one for what amounts to providing the methodology and the means to bad actors to go and steal from the creators of this work that hold copyright under the laws of the United States and other jurisdictions. That YouTube, having made these decisions, makes it possible for these schemes to happen. Also... YouTube gets this company Pirate Monitor kicked out of the case as they countersued for using deceptive behavior to gain access to content ID. So it sounds to me, and I don't have access to this particular lawsuit. I will look it up. It wasn't actually linked here uh, properly. They linked to other articles that I couldn't access. Uh, that Pirate Monitor is some kind of company that got in there to get the information from the content managers, but don't actually qualify for that access. And YouTube sued them for violating whatever the equivalent of the content manager terms of service are, uh, which is an interesting look when the lawsuit is actually that you keep too many people out of your content monitoring system uh, and have created a hotbed of piracy. So that company, Pirate Monitor, is out. And on August 2nd, a federal judge refused to toss the case which again is accurate. Uh, it's a very high bar for the defendant to actually go and win a motion to dismiss. Uh, you're supposed to, as the judge, assume everything that the plaintiffs say is correct. Uh, and so here, YouTube didn't win on the actual dismissal, but that doesn't mean much necessarily for the merits of the case ultimately. To serve the needs of rights holders who do not have access to YouTube's tools on their own, a cottage industry of rights management companies like AdRev sprang up during YouTube's adolescence. These companies have access to the CMS and content ID and specialize in the collection of royalties and police content for independent talents, as well as labels and publishers looking to outsource the often time-intensive labor of monitoring copyrights. Though YouTube's creator support information includes a services directory of rights management companies, sources say many copyright owners remain unaware or choose not to use these third parties. I doubt they're unaware for the most part. We'll see why they might not want to do that in just a minute, but this is what they do, right? So YouTube says, oh, there's too many indies. They're making too much music or doing too many videos, whatever. We don't want to give you the content management tools because, uh, well, honestly, if you were just content ID blocking and monetizing and moving streams around, uh, that would be its own kind of risk of bad acting. So we're going to take ourselves and put us in the middle of deciding who can access these things. So what AdRev and some other companies do is say, okay, well, if we consolidate enough ownership interests, then we can just go and be that big company with enough ownership of copyrighted material to go and get access to the content ID system. And then potentially we can give that access to you. So that's how you have multi-channel networks. That's how you have publishers and labels using these companies and we'll do it for you or we'll give you access. It's, it's all assigned. And then YouTube 
ostensibly has some kind of trust rating that says these guys are legitimate and we can give them access to these tools. They don't give access to their CMS to everyone for a reason, argues Gabriel, a pseudonym, who works for a different rights management firm and who represents a number of media MUVs victims. So Gabriel is going to be a major player in this article. And we have to note a couple of things. One, he works for a competitor of AdRev. So he has a lot of negative things to say about AdRev. Those are all given full-throated voice in this article. And we should apply a grain of salt. We know that this individual is against AdRev. But it certainly seems, at least as described by this person, uh, that AdRev ignored what should have been warning signs about this company. And we know now, at least allegedly, that this company was illegitimate, that they went and they claimed 50,000 songs or something along those lines. They didn't have any ownership interests in. And you would hope that the company that is looking at this, that is accessing this content ID system, would require verification for honestly every bit of copyrighted material that they're otherwise going to be policing on behalf of another. Uh, but it certainly appears, it seems impossible that they could have done that to any level of proper due diligence based on this particular story. Uh, Gabriel continues to say, YouTube wants to have trustworthy partners. Understandably, in the wrong hands, sources say the transparency of the CMS and content ID tools can be exploited. Seems like they can be exploited in whatever hands, but we continue. Uh, Rye Bullister, head director uh, of rights manager of the district, says he has noticed that YouTube has tried to tighten access to its CMS over the years to better ensure that only good actors can use it. He even recalls that a few rights management firms temporarily lost access because of too many bad claims, which would be news to me. Uh, it would be good to hear because as we've covered these stories in this space, we've said YouTube threatens these companies. It puts on their page, hey, if you do too many bad things, we can we could strip your rights to access this system. But we haven't seen publicly any indication that they're doing that when we see bad actors all over the place. We see people making content ID and DMCA claims of major labels, major publishers, major movie houses uh, that don't appear to have anything happen to them on the YouTube side. And that's what Bungie was really arguing about to some extent. And the platform's creator support pages warn that submitting false information or misusing their tools could result in the suspension of your account or other legal consequences, as I said. Despite YouTube's gatekeeping of its CMS, Batista said in his plea agreement that MediaMov had been granted direct access to YouTube CMS in addition to its access through AdRev. So AdRev handed over the keys to looking at the CMS specifically. And while by the book rights managers have been duped by bad actors claiming to be copyright owners, sources in this field say that some of their competitors are not diligent about corroborating clients' copyright ownership before claiming royalties for them. Why might that be? Why would you not be diligent about whether your client actually owns the rights? Oh, with clients paying fees of 10 to 25% of the royalties that are collected, quarter on the dollar, my God, rights managers are incentivized to collect as much money as possible. Now that's true. Um, and they should have their feet held to the fire to some extent if they are found to be uh, a problem child with this. But that's a lot of business has incentives that line up with hey, if you get more money in, you're going to make more money out. Uh, and so we have to start to enforce ethics and other legal rules uh, if you are facilitating actions like this. Now, we also pointed out earlier on, said, hey, some people don't use these third parties. Might it be because they don't think it's justified for a random third party that they view as unnecessary, that they are a good actor, they own these copyrights, that YouTube should just be allowing them to check on their own information 
that they would have to pay a third party 25% for the privilege of getting access to their own royalty streams. I can imagine how that would irk some folks uh, in this space and others. Medium of, a detestable company. According to his plea deal, Batista explained that Medium of initiated the scam by signing a CMS administration agreement with AdRev to assist Medium of in administering the music it fraudulently claimed in the spring of 2017. So this is about five years ago. As part of this agreement, Medium of represented and warranted that it had held valid and sufficient rights over its supposed catalog, and AdRev started claiming royalties from Medium of in early May 2017. So you go to this company and you say, I own all this music. I would like to hire you for this purpose. You're going to make this money in royalties off of what you collect for me. Um, and I will rep and warrant, I will promise you that these are things that are validly owned by me. Now, not even AdRev, as described in this article, just takes that on faith. Oh, you own 50,000 songs. And apparently they required this company to submit certain of the contracts for these things. Batista admitted to sending three falsified contracts with companies that purportedly managed artists to AdRev and YouTube for the purpose of deceiving them into allowing Media Mob to continue its fraudulent operation in July of 2017. So this particular bad actor uh, submits fake contracts that suggest that they have the intellectual property rights um, to these particular songs. They give them to AdRev. Apparently, they only need to give three. Uh, and then AdRev jumps into policing these 50,000 songs for them. According to his plea deal, these three forged management contracts were provided to support Medium of's assertion that it controlled a vast Latin music catalog of both master recordings and compositions, 50,000 copyrights, ultimately. This is May of 2017. On May 4th, 2017, AdRev co-founder and then president Noah Becker and VP of Operations Andrew Korn, so Becker and Korn are the AdRev people, attempted to get YouTube to automatically confirm Media Mov's claimed copyrights in bulk because inputting the information for tens of thousands of songs individually was too onerous for AdRev to handle. So <clears throat> not only do they ask for 50,000 copyrights of coverage, they get AdRev here to go and ask YouTube for special treatment. It's unclear whether YouTube gave that special treatment, but to put all these things in bulk um, so that it can be protected even quicker than otherwise. During the same month, AdRev began claiming royalties for Medium of. Gabriel, who handled rights management for a number of the Medium of victims, says he caught AdRev and Medium of claiming a copyrighted owned by one of his clients. Every day we see conflicts and mismergers of songs on YouTube. They're usually not in bad faith. It's just bad data. A mismerge is when two different songs are named, I love you, say, and get confused in the system. So without thinking too much about it, he reached out to the AdRev team to ask it to correct the error. So this individual claims he spotted the fraud essentially as it happens in May of 2017. Mismergers are a major reason companies like Gabriel's and AdRev are an important part of the YouTube ecosystem, says Billboard. Hiring a company seasoned in catching and correcting these accidental errors can be pivotal for royalty collection. Gabriel says that the initial error that he wrote off as innocent turned out to be the first of hundreds of incorrect royalty claims made by AdRev and Medium of for music that his clients controlled. His suspicions about Medium of grew after some independent digging. The company's sketchy website, as he puts it, its disconnected phone line, and its two-day-old Facebook page struck him as red flags. On May 24th, 2017, so within that same month, he writes to YouTube, urging the platform to investigate Medium of and immediately remove them if they are indeed making fraudulent claims. So the month that it happens, this individual contacts YouTube. So we have parties to blame now, right? AdRev gets three fraudulent contracts. They aren't good enough to detect that. Presumably they don't cover this whole library. 
They view that as good enough. They ask YouTube for special consideration in putting all of these things in. They start copyright claiming, content ID claiming various songs that this individual at a different digital rights management firm notices aren't theirs. And then it happens enough and there are enough red flags that this individual contacts YouTube. YouTube clearly doesn't act on it in any substantive way because this becomes a major fraud. In an email sent to Gabriel, a representative from YouTube replied, thanking him and saying it would assist with looking into it. And Gabriel says he has no idea if YouTube did anything after that. Near the end of 2017, so that was May of 2017, we're already another seven months uh, further at the end of 2017, Medium of royalties claims escalated. That December, Gabriel found another incorrect claim and emailed AdRevs Becker to ask him to correct the error and provide his client with retroactive payment. Becker added AdRevs, then VP of Rights Management, J Jesse Warstel, to the email chain and characterized MediaMove's claims as clerical errors that were not done with any malice. So this is AdRev. Again, this is the third party. They don't actually know, necessarily, that their client is engaged in this level of alleged fraud. So they're saying, hey, these are just clerical errors and we'll get back to you. The next month, Gabriel caught five more erroneous claims, including one instance in which MediaMove claimed 15 of his client's copyrighted songs at one time. With each discovery, he emailed Warstel and Becker, and at least one would reply that these were errors on MediaMove's part and that AdRev would provide retroactive payment and fix the mistake. On January 19th, 2018, Becker emails Gabriel privately to say, none of this is a product of MediaMove trying to land grab revenue or doing anything with malintent, malicious intent, more miscommunication, misunderstanding, and having inaccurate metadata than anything else on our part. In an email, Gabriel asked AdRevs, Warstel, and Becker if their company would ever ask MediaMove to provide proof of ownership for its catalog, writing, it seems that MediaMove may not have rights to much of the content it has been claiming. These email exchanges continued through February and March. Gabriel reported incorrect royalty claims, and AdRev promised to fix them and provide back pay. By March 2018, Gabriel, perplexed and frustrated by the situation, delved deeper into who is beyond MediaMove and why they were trying to claim royalties that should go to his clients. Ironically, some of these answers were just a YouTube search away. <clears throat> Gabriel says he soon found a video, <clears throat> which has since been deleted, revealing that other people were getting false copyright claims from MediaMove too. He sent the video to Warstel at AdRev, and Gabriel noted that many user comments also pointed fingers at AdRev. I asked if they had ever considered dropping MediaMove as a client. Soon, more YouTube videos about MediaMove surfaced, including one also posted in 2018 titled MediaMove Una Impresa Detestable, a detestable company that made the same allegations. Then there was an anonymous Twitter whistleblower who ties these things to Batista and Taryn. <clears throat> Below most parts, posts, the account would then tag local news outlets in Phoenix and Miami, where Batista eventually moved, along with the IRS. Meanwhile, Gabriel kept prodding AdRev for corrections, back pay, and an explanation as to why the company continued to work with MediaMove. <clears throat> in March of 2018, so this is just under a year after that May 2017 hiring of AdRevs, Becker puts out this particular email. Given the volume of repertoire MediaMove deals with versus issues, we feel pretty comfortable. Plus, we're just the admin. And there's already so much negative crap out there about us that's not true. So we just let this stuff bounce off our backs. But we keep a tight eye on this account and lately have been only increasing in comfort level. So they say, in no shortage of words, we're not going to do crap about this. 
we feel like everybody online that says bad things about ad rev is just a crazy internet troll. And we keep a tight eye on this account and we are only growing more comfortable with the ownership position of this company that at least as alleged owns nothing at all. Um, and this is to me, this is the spotlight right now. Again, Gabriel competitor doesn't like uh, competition, doesn't like the competitors in his industry. Nobody does. Right. <clears throat> so we have to take that with a grain of salt, but presumably since this is quoted, this email is actually given to billboard and this is pretty damning, right? If you're out there and you're getting contacted repeatedly on false claims, and then it turns out that this, this individual, this company is going to get indicted 30 times uh, for false claims and they don't own anything. And that's the allegations here. Uh, then you at this ad rev company are, are feeling the heat. And that's how this article is constructed. So we have to take into account that. But I can't help but think this email, it looks really, really bad for them. The Godfather. It's unclear what prompted the IRS to investigate Media Mob. The federal agency began taking a hard look at the company since at least August of 2019. In the process of the investigation, it discovered that while Media Mob is the name most associated with Taryn and Batista's dealings, the duo provided AdRev with four additional bank account names and five account numbers for money transfers from 2017 to 2019. Gabriel says it's common for rights management clients to change their banking information once or twice every few years, but he believes the frequency with which Medium of changed accounts should have raised a red flag with AdRev. Well, look, if the rest isn't going to raise a red flag, just changing your ACH or other account wiring information is not going to raise that red flag. While Batista admitted in his plea that there were over five co-conspirators who were paid a portion of Medium of's royalties for finding new songs to steal, the conspirators' names are not explicitly revealed in court documents. Uh, but Billboard does some digging. So the most notably, there's Batista's wife who purchases a roughly $600,000 house in Phoenix paid for entirely in cash. Uh, she issued a 2017 and 2018 1099 tax form for medium of in her own name <clears throat> for $3.5 and $5.07 million respectfully. respectively. It wasn't very respectful to steal money as alleged. She told investigators this was done because Batista did not have legal status in the United States. Um, paper trails also lead to Jose Juan Segura Padilla, a prominent artist manager and record label owner in the regional Mexican music space, who is from Mexico, but operates out of Phoenix. Uh, he has a whole story that Billboard adds uh, about him almost getting killed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to date, his company is Mediamov's only confirmed client. In a traditional business relationship of a kind between these parties, only one bank account would likely be routing this money to its client, but the investigation found that money rooted to El Padrino and Segura came from several sources, including bank accounts titled Medium of Elgari Records, Enel Gatin Hernandez, Lois Cleaning, Move Music, VA Music, and X Space World Music, all of which are tied to Taryn and Batista's Medium of scheme. I mean, it might not be rocket science, this scheme, but it is elaborately built. There are multiple entities. There are multiple parties. Uh, Billboard also comments on the fact that these guys were apparently somewhat amateur movie producers. Anomaly, a Phoenix-based production written, directed, and produced by Batista with photography, direction, and production by Turan, told the story of a widower who moves his new wife and two children into a house that turns out to be haunted. And then Billboard does the very advanced research of looking at IMDb reviews. I swear in my life, Anomaly is the worst movie I've ever seen. This movie was so bad, I created an IMDb account to prevent others from suffering as I have through it. Most of the 32 reviews echo similar thoughts. Okay, Billboard, you could have watched it yourself. 
I don't know. They get bad stories about the actress that uh, is the lead in the movie having to live in the house where the movie was filmed and not getting paid very much. We've got other kind of uh, expose type material about how the money was spent, et cetera, et cetera. Though a federal grand jury in Arizona indicted Turan and Batista for 30 counts of wire fraud, conspiracy, money laundering, and aggravated identity theft on November 16th, 2021, investigators found that AdRev made another direct deposit of $285,344 to a medium of associated bank account two weeks later. That same day, November 30th, 2021, the bank account was emptied and a cashier's check for $191,449 was made payable to Turan. Even after the duo had been caught, Turan still pocketed money from AdRev. Like I said, if anybody comes out looking the worst on this, it's AdRev. You actually have to suspend your disbelief to believe that they weren't aware that there were problems here. Back in Phoenix, music business entrepreneur Ricardo says he hopes this story can finally make some noise in the music industry. They are robbers. They didn't sweat and work and put in the hours to earn the things everyone else works hard for. It hurts both financially and emotionally. And who can disagree with them? But you can see the structures that YouTube has built prevent good policing of this exact kind of scam, right? If you use third-party gatekeepers and those third-party gatekeepers aren't otherwise gatekept or checked for trustworthiness at the YouTube and platform level, then companies like this just get into your stuff and people like this get in and break whatever rules that they want. So if ostensibly the idea behind YouTube's gatekeeping here is to keep people like this out, it isn't working. And all it is doing is preventing the individuals, the indie artists and more from checking to make sure that their stuff isn't being ripped off and stolen. So I'll be interested in following that class action or purported class action lawsuit uh, that's referenced in this article. But at the end of the day, while I think that Mashable's headline here is a little bit too strong because saying that YouTube's rules are online copyright is not fully accurate, it is kind of the spirit of how things are because YouTube is such a big platform. So they summarize the article here and then they add that little editorial that I promised. While the size of the heist and the breadth of the scheme may be very unique, it's certainly a situation that many YouTube content creators have faced before. Yeah, we get ID claims and strikes and things from all, all over the place. And we've talked about it uh, online and in YouTube and my colleagues have uh, and in law YouTube as well. YouTube's content ID system meant to help creators has been weaponized by bad faith actors in order to make money off content that isn't theirs. While some false claims are just mistakes caused by the automated systems, the medium of case is a perfect example of how fraudsters are also purposefully taking advantage of digital copyright rules. And then they finish by effectively saying, <clears throat> imagine what's still happening for people that aren't as dumb as these folks and claiming entire songs that are so obviously wrong that they can get into trouble. Um, so on those other scams that we heard referenced in the Billboard article, taking just little bits and pieces where it's not even entirely clear where all the royalties should go for something like master rights for seven songwriters on a song, well, those folks are probably having a little bit more success. And isn't that a problem for everybody, not just YouTube? And shouldn't YouTube and the ad revs of the world at least be questioned on these things if maybe not facing full-on litigation? So... That's been the story for today. I hope that was fun to go over. Obviously, as a YouTuber myself, a content creator myself, I am perhaps uniquely interested in how YouTube's various platform systems, content ID, copyright strikes, all the DMCA stuff and more are actually used. But 
This is the kind of thing that really calls into question a lot of how this works. And how do you feel about ad rev? Do you think that they're in on it? Do you think that they're just absolutely willfully negligent in saying we put our heads in the sand? We don't care if anybody owns anything. We're just going to try to stay out of it and collect our money. What do you think of that company? Uh, because Billboard certainly implies that they have something to do with everything that's happened here. I'm going to catch a super chat that we got in the middle of the article, and then I'm interested in hearing from all the rest of you and your comments. Ah, it's uncivil law. So I say thank you for the music, the songs I'm singing. Thanks for all the joy they're bringing. Who can live without it? I ask in all honesty, what would life be without a song or a dance? What are we? Uncivil Law, once again, bringing song lyrics into the channel that I have no idea what they are from. Uh, Kurt just likes to expose the lack of my music history understanding. Uh, this is my greatest weakness. Uh, and so Kurt does it all the time. Hope you're doing well, Kurt, this morning. I have no idea what song that is. Somebody will tell me it's something famous like the Rolling Stones or the Who or whatever. Uh, but I appreciate it very much. Snoopy King says it's ABBA. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know ABBA songs that well, I have to admit. Uh, so we got seemingly confirmation here. We got all caps ABBA. We got not all caps ABBA. One of those is probably right. Uh, Unindicted co-counsel says looks like willful negligence uh, at the ad rev side. I honestly don't know. The implications are strong. I do, I do kind of discount a competitor making these things on an anonymous basis. Uh, but that email, which would seem to be confirmed, at least as Billboard reports on it with those quotation marks, uh, does say, man, you're growing more comfortable with something that we at least now know apparently, allegedly is completely false. That says something about your process. Uh, FF14 Vieira, here's a little something in case YouTube demonetizes this video. <laughs> I will say this. If you talk about YouTube, uh, much like Fight Club, uh, both YouTube and Fight Club tend to not like you very much. So just the number of times we will have said YouTube here, the hashtag I think I put is YouTube, uh, is going to call into question whether or not YouTube does something to the video. Maybe not strike it, maybe not demonetize it, and maybe just a little suppression on the algorithm. Maybe just say, hey, they're talking about YouTube. We don't need people talking about YouTube. Uh, that has definitely happened in the past. Uh, realistically, there was a portion of time where the only videos I was getting demonetized were ones that talked about YouTube and its policies and its procedures. Uh, and that's an interesting aspect. It's not actually written into their community guidelines, but it was very evident as it was happening uh, that those were the videos that were getting either kind of pushed down or directly demonetized. And so I find that fascinating. I do this because I think it's important information, not because I think this is going to be a monetary windfall and otherwise make Hoglaw and the channel you know, millions of dollars, certainly not $23 million. Uh, but I fully expect YouTube to at least maybe give it a light tap downward uh, and say, hey, don't 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 talk about those things, Rick. What have we what have we said to you? Don't talk about those things. Uh, but I appreciate the super chat. Thank you so much uh, for thinking of the channel when uh, your homework is to watch Mamma Mia, the movie. Now, I think I, I think I own a copy of that. Um, Mamma Mia. There's a Mamma Mia, too. Right. This has James Bond singing around a like a Greek island. I think something like that. I will keep it in mind. Uh, Chelsea asks, when will the Reasonable Mind sticker be available for purchase? Very soon. As soon as the new store opens up, they're, we, they're ready. Uh, we just we just have to dot some I's and cross some T's. Uh, you know, being a lawyer is tough on that kind of stuff. We can't just open it up. Willy-nilly like. Uh, Lawful Masses has great coverage on this class action case. Fantastic. Go check out Leonard French at Lawful Masses. He's a wonderful uh, lawyer YouTuber with many hats, much like me, just very different kinds of hats. Um, so please do go check out Leonard. Uh, he's fantastic. I'll, you know, I'll probably tweet this at him, um, because, uh, he is a, a friend of the channel. 
uh, and he does great work. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, we don't talk about YouTube. No, no, no. I think that's uh, to the tune of we don't talk about Bruno. Uh, I know this one. Uh, so <laughs> I, I got that song. Uh, it appears AdRev was put on notice enough to question their motives, ignorance, malignant intent. Malignant. I like that. It's usually malicious uh, in the law, but malignant. It's a cancer at the heart of their intent. I like it. It's good stuff. Uh, what else here? Uh, Brit coming out strong. Um, unhappy tidings towards YouTube. Uh, if they did not have a large audience, we would not be here. Think about it. That's right. Uh, what else have we got happening here? Uh, I truly think, says Susan, that AdRev is a co-conspirator, sir. It burns me to see these people and companies getting away with this. Yeah, I mean, they, they have those incentives. I mean, there's a reason why, for instance, we have things like securities brokers that have to go and be certified is because they do have those incentives, uh, right, to do bad things. And so we do have certification boards and that kind of thing. Uh, and maybe we need what amounts to uh, more certification or ethics guidelines or third party confirmations of these companies and they're doing what they're doing right. Uh, because if YouTube's making money on it and AdRev's making money on it and these guys are making money on it and the only people that are really burned are potentially independent artists that don't even have maybe the knowledge, but probably not the desire to go and pay cuts for things that would, should otherwise be working on a place like YouTube, well, then you're taking advantage of the least of us and otherwise everybody's making money. So that's not really the right incentive to getting things done on this. And maybe maybe it is the kind of thing that we need some either government or third party uh, look at how these things operate. Uh, IRS will always get you, ask Capone. It's the truth. It's the truth. The IRS will, will jump in and get you. There's no question there. Uh, we do have more on the compliments. They go a long way to brighten someone's day. Give a compliment today. It's good times. I love it. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Izad Rev, the co-conspirator. Uh, things are getting really crazy now as we went through that article. Uh, the idea of making content is stressful when knowing that the internet is still the wild west of liars and thieves. Yeah, no doubt. Who gatekeeps the gatekeepers? Nobody. YouTube is an island nation unto itself. Uh, and unfortunately, for the most part, the Copyright Office is decades behind uh, where it needs to be in terms of policing this stuff and is, generally speaking, uh, on the side of YouTube and the, the bigger content creators or copyright holders. Um, let's see here. Uh, judicial misconduct got Capone. I'm not getting into the specifics on the Capone trial, uh, but certainly the IRS was uh, an important part of that process. Uh, and I think that's about it. I think that's about it for Monday. Uh, the IRS waits for everyone else, then says, by the way. Yeah, they do. They, they wait in line. Uh, they, they get there. In any event, folks, um, I think that'll be it. I think it'll be a little bit of a shorter uh, Monday video. Um, like I said, I'll give the announcement here. I will definitely remind folks of it on Friday. I don't believe there will be headlines next week. I will be traveling, um, and I really just don't have a setup for uh, the Hangouts and headlines. So I think next week will be an off week. There still might be some video content for me here and there. Um, but uh, I think that's probably what we're going to do. Uh, so we'll take that last week of August off, and then we'll be back rocking and rolling in September. Uh, but again, I will mention this either every day this week or on Friday. And I want to thank everybody for joining me again this Monday. It's 800 strong every day uh, for this uh, series. And I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, and so thank you. If you like this stuff, leave a like. Uh, if you aren't subscribed, why not subscribe? It'll make you happy. Um, and, and tell folks that we're having these conversations because I think they're a lot of fun. I think we're building a good community of positivity. Give a compliment today. Uh, and I couldn't be happier about 
all of this. So until next time, either on a virtual legality that I do uh, between now and then, or tomorrow on Hangouts and Headlines, have a great Monday, and I will see you very, very soon. Thanks, everybody.